This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our first reading today is taken from the book of Exodus. And it's one of those kind of strange, puzzling tales that is actually a spiritual metaphor if we read it properly. Now, I say strange and puzzling because it deals with a battle. And I must say, especially at this time when war is very much in the air, and there's so much anxiety about battle and struggle, these stories of battles in the Old Testament can seem off-putting. Why is that in the God's Word? Especially as this account ends as follows, And Joshua mowed down Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Well, how can an account of this kind of brutal battle be a revelation of the Word of God? As I mentioned, very often these Old Testament accounts are meant to be read as spiritual metaphors. They're meant to be read symbolically as accounts or icons, pictures, if you will, of the spiritual life. Now, what do we have in this story? We have the account of the battle of the Israelites against the Amalekites. Israel now has escaped from Egypt, from slavery. They're wandering across the Sinai Desert. But before they get to the Promised Land, they fight various peoples on the way. So here's Israel against the troops of Amalek. Listen a bit to the text. Moses therefore said to Joshua, Pick out certain men, and tomorrow go out and engage Amalek in battle. First spiritual point. The life of the Spirit, whether we like it or not, is a battle. It's a struggle. Christians, this theme is up and down the Bible from beginning to end. You see it from Genesis and Exodus at the beginning to the book of Revelation at the end. The spiritual life is a struggle against powers both exterior and interior. The Bible is very clear that the world is full of powers that are inimical to God's purposes. We see it first in the very account of creation. The Spirit of God hovers over the waters of chaos, and from those waters brings forth life and order. The point is that God's creative intentions are opposed by powers of chaos. We could identify them as violence, of hatred, of division, of jealousy, of self-absorption, the inability to forgive. All these are the dark powers that oppose themselves to God. Those waters of chaos rise up throughout the Bible. You see them, for example, in the waters of the Red Sea that block the exit of the Israelites. You see it in the New Testament, in the stormy waters of the Sea of Galilee that Jesus has to calm, upon which Jesus walks. 
You will also see this motif of the powers opposed to God in the battles of Israel. Israel stands for the people of God, the forces of good, the forces of God. They will be opposed. You know, especially in the wake of the events of September 11th, we biblical people should not be inordinately surprised. Is the world full of forces inimical to God? Yes, it always has been. And Christians, it will be until Christ returns at the end of time. And in the meantime, we do battle with them. So, Moses tells Joshua, go pick out certain men and do battle with the forces of Amalek. Who are these warriors? They are those among us who are in the front line of the struggle. Peacemakers, teachers, healers, forgivers, all those who in different ways bear the power of God against the forces of evil. Christian politicians that speak and work for justice in the face of injustice. Christian teachers who speak the truth and try to fight back the waves of ignorance. Christian writers whose job it is to proclaim God's truth. Christian physicians, nurses, those engaged in healing. All of the laity. You know, when Vatican II talked about the ministry of the laity, this is what it's talking about. The job of the laity is to be one of these fighters, one of these soldiers engaged in the struggle against the powers of darkness. Notice, please, Christians, we don't struggle with the weapons of the world. We don't battle hate with hate. We don't battle the lack of forgiveness with more lack of forgiveness. But rather, we battle with truth and with light and with reason and with healing. But the point is, it's still a struggle. It's still a battle. You know that I love the Gothic cathedrals, and the Gothic cathedrals in so many ways speak the Christian story. One thing you'll notice is the facade of the cathedral. You know where the, the doors are and the great towers. The facade usually faces west. That means it faces the setting sun, the powers of darkness, which is why the facade has a kind of battering ram quality to it. There's something hard and looming and bristling about the facade. It's meant to be the fighting face of Christianity. Years ago, we used to talk about the church militant, the fighting church, and that meant the church on earth. What I love about that description is it implies that the whole life of the church here below, in a certain way, is always a struggle. Don't be afraid of it. Don't back off of it. But like Joshua and his men, be willing to engage the Amalekites, symbolic here of all the forces of darkness. Be willing to engage them in battle. Now, the story doesn't end there. Listen to what it says. Moses climbed to the top of the hill with Aaron and Hur. As long as Moses kept his hands raised up, Israel had the better of the fight. But when he let his hands rest... Amalek had the better of the fight. First point, 
Israel is not led primarily by Joshua, by the general, by the field commander. Israel is led by Moses, who is essentially a prophet and a man of prayer. This is not simply a struggle of earthly general against earthly general. The real head of the army of Israel is Moses, who lifts his hands in supplication and prayer. And as long as he is praying to God, the battle goes well for Israel. When he fails in prayer, when his hands come down, the battle goes poorly. Christian, something of great spiritual power is being communicated here. When we rely on our own powers in the spiritual struggle against darkness and, and hatred and division and so on, when we rely on our own powers, we fail. Amalek, those powers will get the better of the battle. But when we open ourselves to the infinite power of God and we rely on the power of prayer, then the battle goes well. We must channel a power that goes infinitely beyond ourselves if we are to be successful in the struggle. This biblical truth is repeated over and over again in the scriptures. Persistent prayer is the key to success in the spiritual combat. You'll also find this theme very clearly in the gospel for this week. The parable of the insistent and persistent widow. Remember, she keeps clamoring and whining and complaining and pressing her demand against the judge. And the judge, who's no saint, finally gives in due simply to her persistence in prayer. There's the same truth. God wants us to persist in asking for his power and his courage and his strength in the spiritual struggle. As long as we do that, we are successful. Can I address these next words directly to those who maybe feel they're not contributing enough to the spiritual warfare? I mentioned politicians, teachers, writers, physicians, those in the front lines of the battle. You are important. Yes, indeed you are. But what's this reading saying? If anyone is playing a more important role, it is the prayer, the one who prays. Those who are listening to me, who are perhaps too old or too infirm or too whatever to get directly involved in the battle, you play an indispensable role in the measure that you pray. That like Moses, you keep your arms raised in prayer. It is a insistent biblical truth that we will not be successful. No one on the front line will be successful unless they are supported by a constant and persistent prayer. And so those of you who can't directly fight, fight indirectly. Day and night by invoking the power of God. I would encourage you to think of a particular cause, a particular aspect of the battle that you feel strongly about. Maybe it's the battle against ignorance, the battle against prejudice. Maybe it's the battle against violence. Pray, pray, day in and day out. As long as your arms are raised in prayer, we have the better of the struggle. But now this story isn't finished, this beautiful symbolic story. We have the fighters, 
We have the prayers. But now listen what comes next. Moses' hands, however, grew tired, and so they put a rock in place for him to sit on. Meanwhile, Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on the one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. The fighters, the prayers, and then those who support the prayers. Moses' arms have to be held up by these two figures. And as long as they're held up, the prayer is successful. As long as the prayer is successful, the battle is successful. I love this image or icon of the church. That's what we're talking about. This interdependent and variegated community. People with different missions, different roles, different functions, but all serving the same purpose of engaging in the spiritual warfare. Are there people that need to be supported in prayer? Well, sure. Think for a second of all the convents and monasteries and friaries, places where people are engaged in full-time prayer. Who supports them? Who feeds them and houses them? Who gives them emotional, physical, financial support? Those are the Aaron and Hur now holding up the arms of Moses. Those are the people who support the prayers, who in turn support the fighters. Maybe your task in the church is to do just that, is to find someone who is praying. It could be a sister, it could be a brother, it could be a monk or priest, but it could be just someone in your parish, on your block, who's praying for the good of the church. Now, your job might be to support that person emotionally, financially, with your visits. We in the body of Christ are one, but thank God we're not all the same. We're one, but we have different purposes, different missions. This beautiful story about the spiritual struggle makes this clear. I close with this. Christian, the one thing you don't do in the spiritual struggle is sit on the sidelines. I don't care if you're weak or strong. I don't care if you're young or old. I don't care if you're educated or not. There's a role for you. The one thing that nobody does here is sit on the sidelines. Find your task. Fighter, prayer, supporter of prayer. And contribute to the mission of the church. God bless. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. To purchase copies of The Word on Fire, call 847-297-4360. That's 847-297-4360.